0: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So voters from Prince Edward Island went to the polls yesterday to elect a new provincial government. 27 seats in the Prince Edward Island legislature, which... Here's an interesting way of looking at that. As uh, one political scientist put it today, if our federal parliament had the same ratio of voters to elected officials as they have in Prince Edward Island, we'd have over 6,500 MPs. So uh, there's a separate question, I guess, about how many politicians any one jurisdiction needs. Prince Edward Island is a province, though 27 seats. The PCs uh, look poised to uh, govern as a minority. They won 12 seats in the vote yesterday. 36.5% to the vote, 30.6% for the Greens, 29.5% for the Liberals. So definitely a three-way race. Uh, Something else that was being decided in that election yesterday was the question of whether Prince Edward Island should change its its electoral system. Voters were pretty divided on that question. Uh, But the no side ended up with about 51% of the vote, just 49% voting in favor of change. So that comes on the heels of a a similar vote in B.C. late last year, B.C. voters rejecting a change to their electoral system. And of course, uh, it's a promise, one of the major broken promises by the federal liberals who had told us that the 2015 election would be the last under the first past the post system. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Now, in Quebec, the new government there has pledged to change the province's electoral system to adopt a new system by 2022. We'll see whether or not they follow through on that. Uh, But it feels as though the prospects of electoral reform are, are not good. Maybe this is not something the Canadians want. Maybe Canadians are content with our status quo. So what conclusions do we draw from these, from these votes? What is the case for change? Joining us for some thoughts is Rael Laverne, who is president of Fair Vote Canada. Rael, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the program.
1: I'm really glad to be here. Thank
0: you. Uh, more, by the way, at fairvote.ca. Let's talk about what happened in Prince Edward Island yesterday. Very close vote, but the no side coming out on, on top. Uh, how disappointing was that?
1: Well, it was disappointing when it's that close. Uh, in a way, it was less disappointing because we 're kind of getting used to uh, having uh, unfavorable results in referendums the The real downer for us was the British Columbia referendum, where right until the last minute uh, it was very, very close. We thought we were going to win that one and uh, and the result was actually not just negative but quite badly negative at 61% to, uh, to 40% or so. Um, the result in PEI yesterday split more or less right down the middle, uh, was more favorable in that regard. And one of the interesting aspects of it is there were actually two aspects to winning or losing. One was how many districts took it uh, kind of like under first-past-the-post regular elections. Yeah. And we won that one, um, winning 15 districts uh, to 12, uh, where we lost. So 15 to 12. And then we lost the popular vote, 49 to 251. So that's where we lost. So the interesting thing about that is that in order for the referendum result to be binding one way or the other, you had to win both of those things. You had to get 50% or more of the vote overall, And you had to win uh, 60% of the districts, And neither side won 60% of the districts. So basically, it's still up in the air. It's not as negative as it may seem from that perspective. And it's basically, I think, now uh, the responsibility of the legislature to decide how they would like to proceed.
0: It was interesting because there was a specific question posed here, not just should we change our voting system, but uh, the question was should Prince Edward Island change its voting system to a mixed-member proportional voting system? Um yeah, sure. is, is is it? A, I mean, how? What's the best way of approaching that with voters? Do you, do you ask a general question about the status quo or something else? Do you have to give voters options? Do people understand what those options are?
1: Yeah, we've tried all kinds of. I mean, all kinds of ways of doing that have been tried. You may remember in 2016, PEI itself ran a, re- a plebiscite, they called it. It was a referendum, kind of the same thing, except it wasn't going to be binding. That was the difference, so they called it a plebiscite. Uh, in that case, they gave voters an option of five different uh, possible uh, electoral systems that they could adopt. And we won't go into those here or radio, it would be complicated, but it's uh, just to say that there, and, and there's a range of ways of doing it. In BC, they were given a choice It was a two-part question. The first question was a general one, which is the easiest one for uh, voters to answer, right? Do you want to change the system in favor of a proportional one? Yes or no? That's the easiest question. Uh, But at the same time, sometimes you want to give people a choice as to what kind of system. And then the question becomes, how do you allow people to feed into that part of it? And I think that's, that's where the real challenge is. There's different ways of doing that, and a referendum may not be the best way. So what
0: is the best way?
1: Well, I think the approach that's been used in both Ontario and in BC of uh, calling a citizens assembly makes a lot of sense. Because once you're talking about a relatively complicated question where you have to weigh uh, a number of different principles and a number of different ways of achieving those principles, and what you're after really is forging a social consensus, the best way to do that is to get a representative group of citizens together of a fair size, can be 100 people, could be as many as 150, and uh, give them the time to consult with experts, to deliberate amongst themselves, and hash it out. And the experience both in Canada and internationally is that when you do it that way, you're much more likely to end up with a consensus than with a referendum, because the citizens around the table are going to be informed and they're going to discuss amongst themselves. Um, Whereas referendums tend to be divisive, right? It's Mm -hmm. yes or no. Uh, What we've done in terms of public education, both in PEI and in BC, is we gave money to both the no side and the yes side, and we said to them, well, fight it out, (laughs) and that's supposed to be public education. But, of course, what it does is it confuses the voter. I mean, even I get confused, and I'm an expert in this area, right? So it's just not the best way to be making, uh, to be consulting with citizens. Well,
0: is there a tendency on on our parts, and and I mean, you know, the general public, to to stick with what we know? Whatever the flaws may be with first-past-the-post, we're used to it. We understand how it works.
1: Yes, and that's partly the the burden when you have a referendum is that it's the side that's proposing change that has to do all the public education, and the side that resists change, all they really have to do is sow doubt, Um, and to be honest they kind of make things up, you know. <laughs> Every opportunity that there can be to so doubt, it becomes ammunition for the no side and it becomes virtually impossible to win a referendum on proportional representation unless you can get the voters to be voting in favor of the people they trust. And that's where the citizens' assembly idea comes in. If you are going to have a referendum, it should follow on a citizens' assembly so that it's the trusted, citizens assembly that is putting forward the proposal rather than the government because when it's the government that does it it tends to become very partisan or to be seen as partisan on the part of voters
0: mm-hmm. uh, from Fairville canada's perspective i mean does your organization have a, a preferred model
1: no um a lot of us do favor mixed mixed member proportional because it's the model that's been proposed the most often in canada and for political reasons we support we supported i'm not expressing myself clearly but it's based on the the way that we vote traditionally you, you maintain the bulk of writings continue to be regular first past the post the post writings and so people are comfortable with that and we feel that's easier to accept um there are other ways to do it in bc the referendum that won 58% of the vote, which is pretty considerable, um, actually proposed a different system using ranked ballots and multi-member districts. It's called single tra- uh, single transferable vote system.
0: Right. So mixed-member proportional, it's, it almost seems like kind of a hybrid system. So it, it maintains, as you said, some components of, of what we have right now and, and introduces some proportional.
1: Um, That's right. It's right. the easiest way that we could get. It's the least disruptive way of Bringing in proportional representation in terms of what people are used to, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas, whereas when you go to a single transferable vote, you bring in also the ranked ballot as well. You bring in multi-member riding. People aren't used to these things. I think it's a great system, but it, it is more. There's more newness involved than when you bring in mixed member. And I think that's why mixed member is so popular. So popular. Well,
0: if we look at at the results of the election itself in Prince Edward Island, or even just recently here in Alberta. Um, you know, the PCs got the most seats. They got the most votes, but they didn't get a majority of the vote. They didn't get a majority of the seats. Here in Alberta, the uh, conservatives did get a majority of the votes and got a majority of the seats. So, um, I mean, you know, their final results didn't stray too far from what the, the votes told us. But, you know, we do have elections where, you know, it's, it's a much different story. I mean, if we look at those recent results, I mean, how broken is our system?
1: Well, you know, that's really interesting that you should say that, Rob. The result last night in PEI and the result in Alberta uh, a couple of weeks ago are among the more proportional results that we've had in a long time. Uh, and, it, it, of course, it gets harder to reform the system right after an election that gives you you know, pretty reasonable results. Mm-hmm. But if you look back at both Alberta and PEI for about a decade, two decades, Um, you had uh, some what we call false majorities, not so many of them, well, you had quite a few in in Alberta, in uh, Prince Edward Island, not so much. But what you did have were exaggerated majorities, um, where with about 52% of the vote on average, you ended up in Alberta with an average of about 80% of the seats. There's a leading party, the party that wins, would win on average with 52% of the vote, but 80% of the seats. And exactly the same thing in PEI, but even worse. In that case, the average vote share of the winning party was 52%, but they took on average over a, a, a 10, uh, 10 election period, uh, 84% of the seats every time. So what you end up with is very, very weak opposition in that case, um, and basically unlimited power for the duration of the government. So the the problems of our democracy with first-past-the-post manifest themselves in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I do agree with you that these last two elections in Alberta and PEI uh, produced more proportional results than we've seen in the recent past.
0: Mm-hmm. So going forward, I mean, I guess Quebec is going to be one to watch. Uh, the promise yeah. there from from the new government to, to make some changes. Where Where do things stand in Quebec? Do you know?
1: Uh, I think we're very, very likely to get uh, proportional representation in Quebec. The, the vote is split among so many parties in Quebec, and the history in Quebec is very, very long of, of having worked with this. They've had all kinds. They've had more processes to discuss proportional representation in Quebec than in the whole rest of the country combined. Um, and the level of popular support is in the 80s. So I think it's going to go forward. Uh, there are always. Uh, partisan interests that militate against change, but I believe the fact that we have a, a new party elected for the first time that thinks of itself as a reformist party uh, that helps a lot, and the fact that you've got a consensus among a, all of the formerly opposition parties, and even the Liberals are lining up now uh, to the to the process. I think we're going to get it in Quebec. Um, in in PEI, I don't know what's going to happen because. You know, you do have now the three parties in the House uh, of the current party leaders. Two of them voted in favor of reform, and the third one didn't get reelected. <laughs> so uh, I think there's some potential there for some very interesting discussions. And what we're calling for is let's have a citizens' assembly. Let the citizens hash it out and propose something. Maybe they didn't like the mixed member proportional exactly as it was put forward in the referendum, maybe we could have a slightly different system. Let them figure it out mm-hmm. and let them propose something.
0: Well, we'll see where it all goes from here. Much more at FairVote.ca. And, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it.
1: All right. Keep an eye on Ontario at the same time, Rob.
0: Okay. Will
1: do. All right. So a couple
0: of big provinces, obviously, to keep an eye on. That's uh, Real Laverne, president of uh, FairVote Canada, FairVote.ca.
1: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.